Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Leaders of the West. Today, we are joined by the coach of the Arizona Red Riders, Colby Yates. Colby, thanks for coming today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background in bull riding? Sure. I I started riding when I was uh, eight years old. I grew up around Fort Worth, Texas and, you know, not, not originally on a ranch. My family had a ranch. So I was, you know, fell, fell in love with that and fell in love with uh, being a cowboy. But, um, you know, started out riding Cabs when I was eight years old. I think I might have gotten two total cabs. Both of them left me inside the buck and shoot. I didn't make it very far, but it was just enough to, you know, spark an interest in, uh, you know, moved up to the steer riding and went through high school rodeo and then to college rodeo. I had a scholarship there in the southwest region of Texas. Went to Vernon College, junior college, and then went to Tarleton State. I ended up finishing because I had aspirations of being a professional bull rider. And obviously when I was in college, I had that opportunity. So I decided to instead go to the national finals rodeo, had a really good national finals rodeo, and then had a successful career in the PBR as well. Qualified for five different PBR world finals. And that led on to other things, right? I I had a musical career in Nashville, sang country and Western music. And, And then I also did broadcasting for the PBR for six years before PBR team series came along. And now I'm the coach of the Arizona Ridge Riders. So can you explain the team series format for those who may not be as familiar with PBR and that, because it's only launched within the last year. Yeah. So last year was the inaugural, the inaugural season of the PBR team series. And Teams have always been somewhat, you know, rodeo has always been an individual sport in every event, and especially bull riding, but they've always tried to incorporate some sort of team event, team atmosphere, and it never really worked until now. But the PBR did a, you know, exceptional job and in, in really being innovative and finding a way to make it work. And one of those ways is bringing in some guys with money. I mean, to say the least that that's, it takes money to make things work like this, but that's just a start. You know, this is such a big, big movement, I think in our sport that it will change our sport to what we know, what we've always known it to be. You know, it's a, bull riding is very individual. You're it's, it's all about you and what you're able to do and and the work to get there. But now it's such a different dynamic to see. You have the, franchised eight different teams. And as I said, a lot of this is the strategic ways of putting this together that PBR did and finding these you know strategic ownership groups to take these on. Richard Childress, who who has a team, has Carolina's team, 
And then Johnny Morris of Bass Pro Shop owns owns Missouri Thunder team. Our ownership is Thomas Toll and Teton Ridge owns our team. And for those of you who don't know, Teton Ridge is it is a big media, the leading media and entertainment uh, group in the Western industry, and, and uh, they've done big things so far here. And uh, owning a Arizona Red Riders is just the next stepping stone for them. It's just a, a really cool new way of looking at bull riding and enjoying it. I think it changes the way that, you know, bull riders approach it. It changes the way that fans uh, look at it and view it. And I think ultimately it will bring in a whole new group of fans to our sport, which is a great thing. I think that the team series, it makes so much sense, just especially with how how other sports are and now western kind of has that where you can cheer for a team you know when games are or in this you know in this sense it's not necessarily a game but you get the general idea i think that that is definitely a very futuristic aspect of western sports which i'm really excited about so let's talk about you coming on as the coach of the arizona ridge riders is coaching something that you ever had experience in doing how did you prepare for that role well no i mean if you know if you ask me 10 years ago or five years ago, even if, if this would have even been an option for me, I said, no, this it's an individual sport. It wouldn't happen. But, you know, I guess I never really thought that this would happen. I've always been, you know, one to try to help grow the sport and look at different ways of being able to do that and make it better for other people and always lend, you know, a helping hand. Obviously um, we, have utilized places like the Western Sports Foundation that do just that. Really a a big foundation of resources for Western athletes. And not only is it, you know, financial assistance and in, in crisis management type situations, but they offer all different kinds of resources available for, for any Western athlete. And that's a huge thing in this sport to make it bigger, make the, make, make the competition tougher and make the people better. Right. I think that's what Cowboy is all about and that's what they do. So I've always been involved with stuff like that. And that's really the only, other than putting on a few bull riding schools here and there, that's really the only coaching that, that I've ever done. And obviously, you, you know, our sport is very, I guess, helping, you know, friendly, you know, pat your buddy on the back, even though you're going up against them, you want them to do well also. But this team seat, this team series and this whole aspect of it has brought out a different, it really a different view. So your buddy, I always joke around and, you know, tell people like, yeah, it has always been like that where you want your friends to do well. But if I'm 88, I, I want my friend to be 87. Like that's just how it is. And, uh, <laughs> In the team series, it's much different, right? So all our guys are on the back of the shoot, and, you know, if one of us is 90, we don't care if the other one goes 95. That's not what it's about. It's about getting the most bulls rode as a team and winning the, every game. That's, you know, that's what changes a lot of the approach, like I was saying, and it it changes everything about the sport, and I love it. And, it not, and maybe, you know, I always think, especially last year, I'm like, I'm really just being biased, but I'm really not. Like it's it's something that's so exciting. I've never been 
haven't been this excited about the sport until I bought my PRCA permit when I was 18 years old. It it is, it is just something I think that is going to be the next movement for this sport. And it just, my opinion, based off of what we've seen, obviously we have the PBR split in two and made the PBR teams league. And they also have the individual season, but there may be a time where who knows when that is, if it's, five years, 10 years down the road, there may be a time where we see the individual piece of this just completely go away and it just be teams. And that to me is, is a huge movement. Well, so you bring up something that I do want to touch on. So one of the things that we love about rodeo and Western sports in general is how competitors, they do compete against one another, but they are the first to help guys that they're competing against. Right. And I think that that is so intrinsic of who we are because supporting others really is the fabric of the agriculture and Western industries. But at the end of the day, bull riding has always been that individual sport. So as the coach, how have you kind of rewired guys to realize that this is this team format, they don't have to carry the weight and that they can rely on one another in this type of setting? Well, I think that a lot of we, we have done some rewiring, but there, there has a lot of the guys are rewiring their self because it is so different and they do have that option, right? Never in this sport have you ever been able to, and that's any event, have you ever been able to go to a bull riding or go to a rodeo and get paid and not have to compete? We take seven individuals that are protected on our team and protected means they can't be taken from another team. We own the rights to that individual athlete during the term of his contract. So we take seven people. We may only use five. Two of those people are going to get paid regardless. All of them are getting paid. But the other two that we don't use will get paid. That's never happened before. So if somebody is gets injured, there were people last year, uh, several of them, getting paid for the first time ever in this sport and not having to compete, getting paid while they're hurt. That's never happened. You know, if, if you've ever been, you know, a rodeo athlete and you got hurt, you just wondered how long whatever money you had in your bank would last, right, to be able to, to, to get through this, you know, hard time. Other than, like I said, using a Western Sports Foundation type deal. That's a, a real thing. And, and that's what's so cool also about this movement is that they have something to look forward to. if. I'm going to use guys on our team. If Keyshawn Whitehorse has hurt his ankle one night, he doesn't have to push through that pain like we've always had to do. You know, that's a lot of things you know people don't understand about our sport is if we don't compete to win and we don't do well, then we don't make money. And now that's changing to where we don't have to go through the pain of riding with a broken leg or broken ankle or whatever it is, broken jaw. You can, you can sub in you know, one of your teammates and you can take the break. That's a big thing for our sport and still get paid for it. That's even bigger. You know, this is what's so cool, but these guys have, I've kind of circled, <laughs> gone away from your question, but just bring it back into what you're asking. You know, these guys have rewired their self to think like that and know that whenever it's on the line that they've got to commit a hundred percent because it's harder to let down your person next to you, for some reason, it's harder to let down a teammate than it is to let down yourself. And that 
makes people rise to the occasion and ultimately it makes the sport better. But, you know, for us to get guys to that, to that point, we've done several things. I mean, we do a big training camp that has a mental toughness challenge in there that if you've never done anything like that, I would recommend anybody trying to do it. It's very tough. It's hard to get through, but as a group, it does tremendous things. It will bring you in. It will give you respect for the individual next to you when you have to fight, you know, to get through something so difficult. We do team building exercises with our team and different activities to bring our team together. And I feel like it worked tremendously for us last season. We had a very strong team and a very strong bond. And so, you know, there was, that was a big, big part of our success. So how do you work to unite guys during that first season? You mentioned that you guys have a training camp. You guys did a lot of team bonding, but was there just a natural, they came together and they were all excited and wanted to work with one another. Did you guys really have to work on that? How did, how did all of that transpire? Yeah, a lot, a lot of it, like I said, we, we did our training camps. We did things, team bonding things that, you know, would try to build the team and put them together. I think that those had a little piece of what that bond was, but for the most part, our guys individually, you know, I think that was a big thing for them and their characteristics that they have were pretty matching for our team, which is, we didn't realize how important that was until later in the season but it is very important. And that was part of what really got them together. And so it was very interesting. We learned a whole lot because we had, you know, our core group of guys, we had a couple guys hurt that were out and we had to reorganize our team a little bit mid season. And when we did that, it really caused a problem. And it wasn't because they didn't like the individuals, the, you know, the guys that were coming in or, you know, like the guys that were going out, they just felt like they had a really good bond at the time. And when we changed it, then it changed the results. And so it was really kind of hard to get a good grasp on that. But a team bond is more important to me now than I've ever realized it ever would be. It's it's pretty cool to see, but there's some struggles there that you got to get through. So this is a question I had, and I was going to wait to ask it later, but because you brought it up, I'm going to ask now. When it comes to selecting riders in the draft, which happened in, what was it, May of this year, how much weight did you put into skill, and how much weight do you put into character, knowing that they are going to make a good fit for your team? Obviously, you have to have a balance of both, but how, and especially with that first season, and now you mentioning that that was a much bigger piece than you anticipated, how do you pick? guys to come on to the Arizona Ridge Riders? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And look, it's the most stressful time I think of the year. My poor wife is like, you just need to go somewhere and do this draft <laughs> when it's draft season. Like you need to go away and just handle that because it is something else, you know, and it's not like, it's not like baseball or football where you have thousands and thousands of people coming, you know, to pick from. So it's, it's a little bit easier, but it's still very stressful because you do need to find that right piece. And we're Teton Ridge has tasked Paula Krimber and I of, you know, creating a winning team. And so we have to do everything in our power to try to make that happen. 
And so we're weeding through, um, trying to make sure that yes, talent is very, very important. Borat only gets harder every year. If you've been to an event here lately, you can see why. I mean, the Bulls are, uh, they're something else. You know, they're, they're completely different than when Paulo and I was riding now. And, and uh, the guys are, you know, you, you've seen the sport change and evolve tremendously because guys are working out every day. They have eating plans and it's not what, what it was when uh went back when I was going where they were just hurry up, run my bull in so I can get to the beer stand type deal. So it's a little bit different, a lot different, but you know, I think that that's, that's something that, you know, really plays into factor when we're looking at guys, we're looking at guys that have a work ethic along with the talent. And then, as I said, I would say that it's probably 50, 50 or 60, 40 talent versus character because I learned the hard way that you can't, I, I feel like I can, you know, pat somebody on the back and be like, Hey buddy, let's, let's do it this way. And that they'll always listen. And that's not the case. So I can't change everybody. I can't, and if somebody is the way they are, that's probably the way that they're going to be, regardless what you have to say, or if, if you know, I just don't think that that changing someone is, uh, someone's characteristic is easier than just picking somebody different. <laughs> no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And honestly, if you think about it on the, on the work and the business side of things too, for employers, they too are in a, are in a period where 50% is talent and 50% of what they're looking for are those soft skills. Like, can you show up on time? Do you do what you say? Are you somebody who is going to work after hours if you need to? Are you going to pass the buck onto somebody else instead of taking responsibility, right? So that that just goes to show that, you know, across all that we do, how important having character and really sticking to your guns and having things that you really pillar who you are on. Yeah, I, I think it's that that's that's great. And I'm fortunately I have been in the workplace when I got done riding bull. So I did get to go through some resumes and, and I had interviews with people. So I know that I'm not just looking for somebody that can ride bulls or uh, somebody that can ride one to the right or ride one to the left. I'm looking for a lot of different things. And, you know, that's one thing that's really great is being able to dig through and dissect every single thing that you're really looking for, because they, they do have to mesh well with your other teammates. Right. And so, it just brings so many different dynamics to to this sport because we're talking about bringing individuals, you know, this is not something that the guys that are on these on the team series is that have ever grown up knowing in 10 years from now there will be individuals in the team series that have trained their entire career to be a team player so it's going to look a lot different 10 years from now. These guys have never known anything about teams or ever dreamed that they were going to be on a team. And now they have to figure out how to make themselves fit in. And as coaches, we have to take a guy that has already, you know, developed his skills. We're not going to take Eduardo Parasito, for instance, who's 33, 34 years old and recreate his riding style to fit, you know, what we need. If we have a guy that is only goes to the left and 
is really only good to the left, it's going to take him a long time to get where he's good, you know, going both directions um, because those core fundamentals, you know, weren't initially there. We have to take that guy and he's got to go left. So if we have another guy that, you know, wants to go left or should go left too, we got to make sure this one's going left because that's the only way he can go. You see what I'm saying? It's got, there's a whole lot of different, you know, dynamics that come into play here that we have to be, you know, ready to take on and also be able like, I feel like these guys have to kind of swallow the, swallow a little bit of concrete and toughen up a little bit too, because it's a very real moment for them. Whether they get cut, they may be doing good. You can be doing good and get cut on a team. That's what's so crazy. And you have to be ready for that. And if I sit you out and you sit on the bench, you have to be okay with that too. There's a whole lot of things that, that the guys, you know, I just love every bit about it. Like it just, it brings a whole new unique situations to the, to the table here that we would never have before without it. So it's really cool. Well, and what you said too, about how, until now, this is something that has never been done before. And 10 years from now, this is, there are some athletes that this is all they have ever done. 10 years ago, you would have said that you would have never been coaching anything like this. So what is the biggest challenge that you've had to navigate in coaching or a lesson that you've learned that maybe you didn't necessarily expect? I I think it was uh, what we talked about earlier was, was really navigating the characteristics. I think as, as much as it's not always going to happen. And and when I know this, but as much as we can align those characteristics, we, we will like, that's going to be, that's a, it's a big, big part of it. They, they need to have, you know, like-minded goals. They need to be able to support each other. And I think one thing that I really look for is humble individuals, right? I think that's a very big attribute to have as a rider and especially as a team because I've been there myself. Like, you, you know, I think all bull riders have to some extent where you have to be somewhat cocky to be able to do this. In a lot of sports and rodeo too, you you need to be somewhat cocky in order to be able to do it. But you can keep all of that, you know, underneath your hat, right? Like, I don't think it has to be be shown and you can you can show it in the arena. And then once you leave the arena, you put your humble hat back on and, you know, join, join the rest of the crowd. Like, I, I think that's a big, a big piece that I have to look at where, you know, like I said, it's not always going to happen, but I, I really can't control that for, for other individuals. Unfortunately, <laughs> it just can't happen. So that's a pretty big eye opener for me because I think that there are some individuals you can kind of guide down that path. Um, but there are some that you can't and you just got to know. I love this conversation because it is so, so interesting how so much of what you're saying is obviously very consistent with what we know in the business world too, right? I think a lot of people in leadership, they don't necessarily realize how important company culture is, which is the same as a team culture. And without a strong team culture, it doesn't matter how talented the individuals on your team or in your company are. If they if they can't work well together, if there's not a conducive environment for that, 
things are not going to go well. And I think a lot of us, myself included, think, oh, well, I'm just going to hire the best people for the job. They have all of the talent. And we kind of forget about those soft skills, which we've determined are so, so important. And that goes back into that company culture and that team culture. It is, again, just so interesting how so much of the business world trickles down into this and vice versa. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And I think that too, you know, you have to be able to create that environment and you can do that. So you can hire those people that have all the skills that you need and that every other company would want, right? But you have to also put them in that environment. So like if your company's environment is toxic, then they're going to wind up being toxic. And so we also, you know, as a team, just like as a company, your whole working at make, you know, creating that positive environment for your whole team or your whole company is a very big step in order to move in the right direction and keep people on that path because we've seen it and we, we've done it and we've been around, you know, I, I tell people all the time, especially in the Western Sports Foundation clinics that we do that you are who you hang out with and, and there's going to be some times where, you know, maybe you lose your best friend because his or her goals didn't align with yours and they weren't going to get you to your end goal and, and you know, where it was going to be. So that's something that being around the right people is, is a very, very important piece of success. I couldn't agree more with that. Having that environment is very, very important. The other piece that I think is so important, whether it is on a team or in a business setting, is really creating those genuine relationships with the people that you work with or the people that you're leading. So how do you individually check in with your riders during the season? What what kind of relationships have you formed with them? Yeah, so I, you know, really I'm just a, a support system and that is one of the difficult things which is great for our team and our general manager Casey Lane saw this up front and that is why we have two coaches. Part of the reason why we have two coaches. Paulo Krimber is, you know, a very successful Brazilian bull rider uh, that, you know, has done so many great things in the PBR. His career got cut short because of broken neck, but he's very well respected in our sport and all the bull riders look up to him. And so he is able to help out on on that side where I can't I don't know Portuguese so it's really it's such a hard I've tried I've tried really hard to learn I will learn at some point but right now I don't know and so I can luckily through all of the translation apps I am just texting away to those guys and translating everything I can get to um, to communicate with them And, and really I'm doing that on a weekly basis with our guys and really trying to make sure that they know that I'm here to support them. And so that's the big thing. If like, I'm not going to teach these guys what they don't already know. Their foundation is set. They know the fundamentals of this sport, but what, what I can provide as a coach and, you know, Paulo and I both is that we can, you know, identify any sort of issues that are taking place. I try to really push to our, our riders. My big thing is creating routines And then having that discipline, that's the hardest part is is having the discipline in order to um, maintain that routine. Because I think that the consistency, I tell our our guys all the time, when you create consistency within yourself, you'll create consistency in the arena or 
with your team. And that is, I think, probably one of the things that I focus on the most is making sure these guys are staying consistent. And there's times where I, I'll talk to them and be like, okay, wait a minute now. Like, is this part of the routine? Is this what you're supposed to be doing? And they can check the brakes a little bit. So it's providing that extra support. You know, you've always had in this sport, you've always had your buddy tell you, hey, good job, or hey, you know, you need to be doing this, or, but you don't really have that all the time. A lot of times you're on your own and these guys don't have to be on their own anymore. They can have somebody like me. I'm very motivational. I want to bring out the good in every single guy we have on our team. I also want to let them know what they're really good at so that they can continue to keep that confidence. I think it's very important because this is a, a tough sport mentally. It's pretty exhausting and can be very detrimental to a season. And so keeping the motivation at an all-time high is big on my list. If you ever see me on the back of the bucking shoots, you'll you'll see where my motivation is. We're gonna have to get you some extra, like some cheerleader pom poms, maybe. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm I'm excited when I'm on the back of the shoots. I'm I'm all in. I have no idea what else is going on except for bull riding. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, you have brought up the Western Sports Foundation a couple of times. That is actually where you and I first met. So for those listening who may not be familiar with WSF, I know you talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but can you just compound on exactly what it is? Yeah. So the Western Sports Foundation is a nonprofit uh, organization that is basically there to help professional athletes in the Western industry. And, you know, right now, rodeo is the main taker of, of what's, what they're giving, but to have something like what they provide, and I'll, I'll spill in a little bit more about it, but to be able to have something like what they provide, if I had that, I feel like I would have done way bigger things, but also would have been prepared for the afterlife of bull riding. I think it's everything that you need, all the resources that you need outside of the arena, but also they correlate with inside the arena. Like there's support psychology, mental coaching, and, you know, entrepreneurship, which, you know, you've come and talk to about and, you know, being able to create and, you know, how to create and run businesses and be able to set yourself up for life after bull riding and how to successfully work and manage and run a company. But also there's nutrition, fitness, all of these things as an athlete to be able to produce the best results that you can while you're doing it. But, but then also continue that to to the afterlife too. But in one of the other ones that is probably would have been one of the big ones for me is the financial management. It is also crisis management. So if you, you know, what we typically know of like in rodeo, it's the Justin Cowboy crisis fund, which when a guy gets hurt, break guy or girl, you know, gets hurt and is out for a period of time, they step in and, and provide some assistance for you and your family to be able to get through those times. And the Western Sports Foundation does that very thing. But on top of that, they're doing other things like the financial management where, you know, you can learn about compound interest. You can learn, you know, about investing, about insurance and, and how to protect yourself. And there's there's so many different things. And I think that we need to bring in, like it's continuing to grow. I think we need to bring in a CPA and talk about taxes. Uh, I think it's a, 
a huge thing to be able to to push on. But it it's basically there to to grow you as an individual, educate you as an individual, and help you grow in your career in bull riding and set you up for the afterlife. So it's a big thing. It is the coolest program. I will be the first to say that not enough people know that it exists. It's free for athletes to attend, which is insane because the amount of knowledge that they get over those three-day clinics is absolutely wild. It's free for them to attend. There's a clinic hosted this year. They've done March, May, August, and then there will be one in November as well. And it's open to anybody. You just have to go to Western Sports Foundation's website to apply. And then those same providers that go and speak at Western Sports Foundation clinics can also be accessed throughout the year by those same athletes. So if you have a career question, you can set up a time to talk to me about that. It's completely free of charge. Western Sports Foundation covers all of those costs and they are run solely on donations. So if you're in a giving mood, I highly encourage you guys to look into donating to Western Sports Foundation too. That's great. And I don't want to forget, like I can't leave out Cody Lostro's piece because it's probably one of the most important piece, but Cody Lostro, who is a world champion, PBR world champion, and the coach of Oklahoma Freedom comes in and he does a mental toughness day. On the very last day, you get through all the educational pieces and then you're going to see how tough you are and push yourself to the limit. But it, I'm telling you, that piece alone, to me, does some of the biggest things that you'll learn during that week will be during that time because you're learning a lot about yourself and how far you can push yourself. It is tough. <laughs> I'll just give you one piece that we did. We did a plank. If you know what a plank is, just like in a push-up stance for 45 minutes. Never thought that would ever been possible, but it happened. So you can do a lot of things. And and so when you get through stuff like that, not only does it bring the group together, but it also helps you out individually because you know how far you can push yourself. It's a really cool experience if you're able to do that. If you're able to give money to it, even better because there's a lot of a lot of athletes out there that could could use the assistance. So if you're a fan of the sport, I highly recommend you looking into it and um, helping where you can. Appreciate it. Oh man. Amen to that. Okay. Now we're into the rapid fire questions. What is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given? Oh man. Uh, you know, there's a lot. I, you know, there's a whole lot of it. One thing I would say that, uh, that would correlate with both is that, you know, you can get lost in a lot of things, but as simple as this is, I've been told on several occasions to have fun. Don't forget to have fun. And, and I take that in so many different ways, but a lot of it is, you know, don't take for granted why you're there doing what you're doing, whatever that is, whether it's in your business or in bull riding, there's been plenty of times where I made bull riding not fun and it continued to not be fun for a long time. The moment that I remembered that this was fun, it you know reorganized my focus on what I re- really was there for, and that changed my results. So both it, both in my business and in the business of bull riding too. So that's pre- pretty big one. But you know, one of the other ones would be I would say that success is not going to come to you. You have to go get it. Oh, that, that is good. And you know, I want to go back real quick on 
enjoying the journey and not just the destination. I think that's something that we are all so guilty of. And you really have to enjoy the process, not just whatever it is that your sights are on, because there are things that will happen in life. You may get slightly derailed. And if you if you enjoy the process, it's not going to seem like it's that much of a derailment. But if you're just solely fixated on the destination, it is going to be painful to get there. That's true. I mean, it's it's hard, you know, and there's plenty of different, you know, perspectives on that and way different ways to look at it. But I think a lot of what it is is you kind of get look, it can be everything. There's there's a lot of distractions out there in this world. So whether it's in your personal life or business, but I think being able to somewhat maintain the focus on the path, but enjoy it while you're there is pretty beneficial because you can get caught looking at the distractions and that that will end up derailing you for sure. So if you could go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh man. You know, that's, that's a question I've been asked before probably, but you know, I, I would have to say my granddad, I had, I had a really close relationship with my granddad. Um, and it wasn't actually even as close as I wanted it to be before he passed away. But I did music. I wrote a song about my granddad. It was a, he's, he's a pretty special person in my life. But I would I would have to say it's him, not Elvis, not some really famous person, but just my granddad. What is one quote that you lead your life by? Oh man, I probably have a few quotes. I'm I'm a quote kind of guy. Um, I would say that um, I try to. It's funny because it. Uh, I do have experience coaching. By the way, I have a son that's twelve, Cutter. Cutter Yates, so I'm coaching him as well. So uh, I try to teach him a few quotes, uh, be a man of your word, <laughs> say what you mean, those type of things. Say less, do more, like we're, we're kind of learning those things. Uh, <laughs> he's 12, he talks a lot right now. You know, I, I think that I think that being a man of your word is a, a pretty big one, especially these days I feel like kids are getting away from that a little bit, you know. That is pretty important in business too. You know, I mean, I, I think that's a respect goes a long ways. And I think that the more you respected, the the better off you are, the further along you'll get. So uh, I think that's probably a, a big thing. I don't, I don't really have a whole, a whole lot for you, Jesse, but, but those are some things that, that are important to me for sure. Well, I tell you what, I think that those, I am right there with you, being a person of your word is something that we need a whole lot more of in this world. And with that, I think we can probably call this a day. So thank you so much, Colby, for spending time with us today, really you know, digging into how you've inspired the Arizona Ridge Riders and what you've learned in this process. The team series kicks off this month in Cheyenne, at the Cheyenne Frontier Days. How can people stay connected with you and stay up to date with what you're doing? You can follow uh, follow me on Instagram at Colby Yates. Um, you can follow the, the Arizona Ridge Riders also on Instagram and all the social platforms at Arizona Ridge Riders, PBR.com. You can also follow us there. But uh, all the team events, there's, there's eight different franchises, as we mentioned earlier. And so each one of those will have a home market event. Our home market event is in Glendale in October, the first week in October. And um, you can you can go get tickets online or through the PBR. 
we love to have you there. We have a great, great event there. It's a big festival uh, that takes place there in Glendale, Arizona. But you will not want to miss Las Vegas for the finals also in October because we will win first place this time last year. We took second, and that's not going to happen this time. We're going to win first. You heard it here first. Colby and the Ridge Riders, they are coming in for first place. Awesome. Well, thank you, Colby. We so appreciate you. If you guys loved this episode, make sure to do us a favor. Take a screenshot that you listen to it. Drop it in your stories. Tag of the West. Tag Colby. Give us some love. And if you know of somebody who would want to listen, make sure to send it their way too. With that, thank you guys. We will see you back here next week. Thank you. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.